Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the first rest day recap of the Tour de France 2021 here with Benji as usual. This show is supported by Lacole, who produce performance cycling apparel. Let us know, have you bought any Lacole kit? Have you used our LRTDF20 discount code? Just a quick note from me, some housekeeping. If you want to support the podcast, some of the best ways to do it are to leave a like or subscribe to the YouTube channel of the podcast if that's where you watch slash listen to it. And if you listen on podcast players, we don't mind where you listen or watch makes no difference to us really, then just give us a rating or a review. We also have a Ko-Fi link where all donations go directly to improving the quality of the podcast. We also have our show partner, Lacole. They produce performance cycling apparel. It's getting super hot now. It's going to be hot in the Pyrenees when they come down. I can confirm today it's really, really hot. I was wearing Cole's new lightweight collection this morning. And yeah, it's like 25 degrees plus. Uh, and it feels hotter than Australia, which is really, really weird. But the lightweight collection is awesome on long climbs or wherever, really. It's made of breathable fabrics and lightweight materials. If you want to pick up any of the kit from LaCole, you can use code LRTDF20 to get 20% off. So thanks to LaCole for supporting the podcast. But we've got a few things we're going to touch on in this recap. We're not going to go through every single stage that's happened. We're going to go winners and losers of the first week. Uh Preview the next six stages briefly, preview stage 10 in a bit more detail. Talking about Cavendish, green jersey ambitions, plus can he break Merck's record? Jumbo Visma, what should they do next with Yump with Boglitch going home? And obviously, I'm going to do a bit of a self-roast of my Velo games. We might touch on a few things here and there as we go through as well as like the GC podium battle. But uh, what have you been up to, Benji? Making PCM content. What happens on a PCM rest day? Well, actually, uh, I've been uh, sleeping a lot today, so I've woke up like we're recording it at, at like 2 p.m. and I've slept until like noon <laughs> today, and it's the first time in like age <laughs> I've done that. So uh, I guess I'm happy about it. But um, it's a rest day as well for me. I um I am planning to uh just rest for the next coming <laughs> week because the last week tired. was pretty and crazy instead <laughs> of yeah. the normal usual gradual rise of tension in the ground tour it was hammering from stage one so yeah it's good that it was here are my winners quick step alaphilippe goes into yellow plus they take three stages bahrain have taken two stages morich and turns pagacha wins the stage and it's got gc seemingly wrapped up and alperson phoenix despite us Roasting them a little bit about stages four and six. They still won two stages and had Vanderpol in yellow for six stages. So that's obviously kicking their goals out of the park before the Tour de France. Uh, and I think Ida Schelling as well. Ida Schelling, he, I'm not sure how many days he wore the polka dot jersey for, at least four, I think, three or four. Um, he had a great first week as well and just goes to show what you can do if you target, uh, yeah, if you target. The KUM classification, I think he was wearing it, yeah, for like four stages plus. Uh, who are your winners, Benji, before we go to the losers? I think there's a few. We've got, obviously, Alperson with the way they've ridden this first week. They didn't have perfect strategies when it comes to the flat sprints in my eyes. They tried to get Philipson either a stage win or points for the green jersey. And they could have gotten one or two sprint wins with Medellier, in my honest opinion. But nonetheless, except for that wonderful first week for them, their first Tour de France, and they've got a yellow jersey with Van der Poel for multiple days, I think six in total or something. And then you've got 
the same stage win already in pure dominant fashion, obviously partially due to the crashes as well that the group was so reduced in that stage, but a one to win that stage is just pure sprinting dominance. And I think that they're definitely one of the winners. And I think we can't deny that UAE is one of the winners as well. We had a bit of a moment on stage seven where we were like, okay, they did just show a crazy big weakness team-wise. People can abuse that, but the problem is that so many of the competitors just hit the ground that they've got half a team to try and abuse that weakness of UAE. So it's almost impossible to to try and get over that and try and try and beat that strategy now because the teams against them is just their their strength has reduced so much. And Yambo is one of those. And uh I think that's not necessarily their fault, but one of the losers for me. Yeah, for sure. Yambo Visma, because I'm making a rest a recap video on my main channel. Yambo Visma have crashed with the fan crash, then Grant Thomas crashing, Martin and Hersink. Then Jonas has crashed, I think, at least four times in this Tour de France. Three, I some, think. some his own fault. Uh, Roglic crashed with, uh, into the ditch with the Colbrelli thing. They've crashed so many times. And, yeah, some have been uh, maybe – most have not been their fault, actually. Most of the vast majority have not been their fault at all. Uh, and I think – and then they got unlucky with the weather because Koos and Roglic, I think they prefer 25 and sunny to 12 degrees and raining. I mean, we saw that welter stage last year. We still don't know what happened when Roglic lost time and Koos lost like 10 minutes. That was the main rainy day. So, yeah, they've they've had a terrible first week um, and it's, Roglic's going home as well. I think Sagan had a, had a bad first week as well. Obviously, Ewan crashing him, crashing him, not his fault at all. Uh, also, Caleb Ewan, big loser at this Tour de France. He could have cleaned up at least three yeah. stages. Uh, but Sagan didn't get any green jersey points on stages one and two, and he's not looking in top condition to even be taking second and thirds regularly in the bunch sprints. I think green is is almost gone for him. I, I think, do you go for a stage in the break, Benji, if you're him at this point? Hmm, I think that he should try more than he's trying right now. Currently, he's going solely for the sprints and for the intermediate sprints, and that's not going to be enough for the green jersey, nor for a potential stage win. Unless we see more of the uh, sprinters leave the race, it's going to be very difficult for him to win one. And that's why, indeed, going in the breakaway might be an option for him on, I think it's stage 14, but I'm not too sure about it. It has a pretty hilly terrain and not necessarily uh, too dangerous for him either. I think next to Bora, though, there's other sprinters that have disappointed. Arnaud Demar was terrible so far, and... It basically pulls the entire team of Groupama down because Godou is the only one that can show himself. Madhuwa has support for Godou. He's been riding well, but yeah, if Demar is here with an entire sprint train and he doesn't perform, then then that's just uh, OTL for the team. Week OTL one. as well. Yeah, like this crazy. is his AAA priority. They've tr- you know they've gone away from GC FDJ to go for Demar this year's Tour de France. He's not competed in a World Tour race since Duas du Vlaanderen back in April. No, in, in March, Benji. Hasn't competed in a World Tour race since March. His last stage race was Paris-Nice, who's tuning up at smaller races. And he OTLs the first week when he would have been the second best sprinter here easily for the next two weeks. And listen, I know it was a hard three days, but Cavendish made the time cut off yeah. the back of very little preparation and training. So 
yeah, there's not many excuses really. Like it's just, I think if Cavs make if if Cavs didn't make the time cut and like fifty guys missed it, whatever. But he was one of the only guys to miss it. Um, so yeah, disappointing for him for sure. Uh, otherwise, I've got yeah. a few more. Oh, you got more? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that um, we could dare to say that bike exchange is not performing up to Sanders. I Yates. think that match is still in the battle for green. Yates has not been able to prove himself, but I don't think we're at the uh, portion in the race yet that suits him perfectly. The mountain stages in week three might be the ones where he can go oh, and break away and perform eight. better. Stage eight was perfect yeah. for him. Descent finish. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of competition went in the break that day. I think that, yeah, they're probably going to go in the break as well in week three. So he's going to have to step up and perform better. And there's there's a lot of teams that actually underperformed. And we can also look at Israel's startup nation, in my yep. opinion. Chris Froome obviously is not on a level that they are, well, they didn't say he was going to top be top, but he's dropping with Cavendish right now. And it's partially due to the crash on day two, three, one of them, three, I think. Day so, three, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a side effect to that, but he's also just not proven to be in the form necessary. I think that there were better candidates to be in the team, and we know that his selection is most likely a marketing point, in my opinion. Then you've got Greipel, who um, is likely to win GC still, because, yeah, he's the legend himself. But um, I think at this point, Greipel might genuinely be the one sprinting against Cavendish on Champs-Élysées if we keep <laughs> yeah, losing sprinters. We said it as a joke in the preview. We're like, okay, well, who are you picking Greipel or Cap for the no. Champs-Élysées? It actually is going to happen. Uh, no. I, I'd just say, Benji, this is a point made for the off-season, and I was talking to David Bailey uh, at Bahrain about this the other day before the tour started. Riders and teams have like a scattergun approach to results or to, to stages. And I think the big one is Woods has got stages eight and nine, and he decides to target both from the break, despite eight having a descent finish yeah. in the in the wet. And like me and you were, were trying to calculate it, he would need like a minute at the end of that climb. The way turns was descending, I mean Woods. I think he got onto the wheel of Pagatra and Izagiris, so that helped him. But if he was solo, he yeah. would have needed such a big gap. And then stage nine the next day. So reminiscent of T on 2000 where he was head-to-head with Thomas. A proper 21K, 5.5% mountaintop finish. Not Yes, there's some technical descending, but, yeah, he's got that final climb rather than a descent finish. That seemed to be the more natural one to target. I don't know how much the fatigue from the day before affected it. Surely it would have had some effect. I mean, it did get distance on the descents anyway. I think we saw that with Yates as well. He found himself in the Stage 7 break, contested its more Liege-style stage, and... Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like some riders aren't targeting the right stages, whereas Morich, stage seven, targeted that absolutely perfect for yep. him. Uh, what? It's another we can team. Continue. <laughs> I've got. I've got a few more. It's <laughs> harsh, but I've got a few more. Quebec on next hash. I haven't seen them do anything properly in this first week. We've got Flamini obviously out in OTL yesterday. He uh, finished an hour and a half later. That's sad, but. It's all I think obviously important. Yeah, he cra- he crashed at the start of the stage. Um, eventually, that's a sad thing. But their team next to him, Hinal, Barbero, Bennett, Campanards, Clark, Goggle, Walshide. If you told me uh, they weren't in this race yesterday, I would have been like, uh, I only saw Campanards attack twice at kilometer zero and not be in the break afterwards. And that's a fact. Like they haven't performed, and 
It's partially because their team here is just not very strong. Quite simple as that. Astana was meant to be the uh, breakaway gods yeah. that Senko ended up at the front of GC and they failed in the breakaways. They weren't in important breakaways on day seven and eight. Oh, while is, they is have the perfect riders for it. Is it was. Yeah. Correction on stage eight, they were stage seven when they should have been there. They yeah. were not. Where's so, our um, Benji? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. But um, then next to those teams, you've got oh, Total Energy started off very strong with Latour, showed themselves on day one, and then Latour implodes a week later, and their GC that they've been working on is completely gone. I haven't seen them too much in the breakaways as well. Track that team is, is not performing. DSM, the only person I've seen so far is Surenkra Andersen and Gazeball a tiny bit in the sprints. And I'm pretty sure their prize money is one of the lowest as well in this race. Do we consider Ineos a loser here? I think so, because you can blame them for the Thomas crash. That was his. He just crashed in the middle of the bunch. You've got Port pacing on stage two and distancing himself, distancing himself on GC. They kind of look undercooked and ignoring the pretend Pagacha doesn't exist. Would you say <laughs> kind of difficult? <laughs> would you say Carapaz failing to be able to distance Mars and Kelderman three days? Oh, he did yesterday. Was good. Mars and some other Jonas Vingegaard three days in a row in the high mountains. Him failing to gain any time on them. That would be an underperformance in yep. my view. So yeah, I think so. I, th- I think Trek as well. I think Pedersen's not looking good. There's only uh, a few teams that came out of this first week as winners in my eyes. If Case Bowl Benji, if he can't get some regular top threes in the sprints in the next two weeks, then I don't know what the fuck is going on because he, he won the Pyrenees Pure Sprint Stage ahead of Sam Bennett. Like he should be able to win a stage. Uh, I think EF EF just got unlucky, Benji. Magnus Court, yeah. stage seven perfect, but turns out in that break was Wout van Aert and Van der Poel, and no one wanted to work. Whereas normally, you know, someone like him would be. Wanting a group yep. finish and be quickest, but okay, that's a lot. A lot of teams. Not everyone can be a winner at the Tour de France. I think Movistar have barely been in any breaks. Uh, they, I think they've had a bad first. They've had a terrible first week. Lopez out of GC, Soler injured, Valverde out of GC. And I think everything hinges on Mars podium at this point for them. But the next six stages, Benji. I think tomorrow. We'll talk about it in a bit more detail, but it's still not going to be a GC day. Stage 11 is double Montvon 2. Are you expecting uh, maybe Carapaz try, trying again on the second descent? I think that Ineos is going to keep on trying to put pressure on their podium competitors, for example. I think that they're going to start pretending that Pogacar doesn't exist and not sure. use him as the aim of dropping him, but as the aim of trying to secure the second position at least. And that battle is going to happen. I think that Uran will not be the rider attacking, but the one following. I think that Vingegaard, for example, will probably also be that. I don't see Vingegaard attacking too much because yesterday on Tini, he was the only rider in that group that was suffering and fell through the group while Mars was attacking. The only thing that saved him was the fact that the last two kilometers were flat and not uphill. So I think that Vingegaard is the one that's going to be having the most trouble perhaps with these consecutive mountain stages in the next two weeks. Although I hope that he overperforms because he seems like a nice guy. And his time trial is really good, so he can lose a few seconds. Uh, I'm not sure about minutes, but should perhaps they a minute Kush max. In breaks, or should they, should they put him in the Vingegaard podium prison? 
yeah, prison. 100% prison. Like, because he's not strong enough to win from the break. We saw it the last week. And perhaps he grows in the race, but he's just not strong at the moment to do it. And he always attacks too early as well. Like, he attacks and then falls back when someone else counters him. So I think it's better if you keep him for uh, for Vingoin that moves into the strategy of Yumbo that I think they've got a, well, they probably are changing their plans as we speak on the rest day. But you've got Fanat, who in my eyes in the mountain stages should be imprisoned and should be working for Vingegaard as well. In the sprints, he should have an opportunity to go for the sprints from now on to make sure that if Vingegaard fails because he has never ridden a three-week Grand Tour for himself as GC leader, that's the difference than being a domestique. You can't have rest days in that sense, except for the actual rest days. And... um that's why I think that it's better if you have at least like one person aiming for things next to it. Avanade could potentially win a mass sprint somewhere. He did two last year. I don't think his sprints are on the level of last year, but I think that he could still be a contender for them, definitely, because the sprint field is weaker than last year. Quite simple as that. Caleb Ewan is not here anymore, and he's the best sprinter in the world, and Cavendish is not. And um, yeah, I think that they should... Fire with a few cylinders, but not too many. So Cousin imprisoned, Fanad imprisoned in mountain stages, sprint though with Fanad, and then the rest of the team supports Vingegaard throughout the entire stages. It's a podium in the Tour de France. It's not a bloody carnival prize or something. Yeah. It's something that is worth fighting for, and definitely for a youngster like him. Movistar have the whole team not going in breaks so that they can support Mars going for top five. So I think... It'd be un- I think it'd be unfair to not give Jonas any help at all. Uh, I think he does deserve it, to be honest. The the next six stages, it's kind of like a, a sprint stage that could be a break on stage 10. Double Mont Blanc 2, stage 12 is a sprint stage, again, where there could be a break. I, I like the look of stage 13, sprint stage, with a slightly draggy uphill finish. 14, medium mountain. Looks like a he or she stage from 2020, but it's not. This year, obviously, um, <laughs> so I don't expect I expect that to be break probably. And stage fifteen is the as the second mountain stage with the Henri de Grange in Andorra. Uh, it goes up to twenty four hundred meters, and then they do another climb. So there's two climbs in stage fourteen and fifteen where there's bonus seconds at the end, but they're both descent. We don't have a mountain top finish this before the next rest day, Benji's. Mont on two descent finish. The medium mountain stage is the descent finish, and the Andorra stage is also a descent finish. So with that, people were asking this, why do you choose between break or GC? With the descent finishes, it really leans towards a break, having more of an opportunity because say you get a 10-second gap over the top of a climb, your team sets that all up. You don't get to keep those 10 seconds. You now need to work for 20 kilometers on the descent or false flat or whatever on the descent, a lot more energy being spent and you can be caught from behind. So... I, I think this is going to be a lot of breaks this week, Benji. Uh, starting with tomorrow, stage ten. I'll get your view on that. I think, I think a break can win this if if riders like Sturvin and some strong rulers band together. Kung or well, no Demar, so Kung will be going in a break, right? Van yep. Moor is a great call. So you've got these two teams whose sprinters have gone, Lotto and and FTJ, who want to try and a break with strong riders. The hand can get in there as well. I, I think a break is a really good chance tomorrow, actually, because I don't have a lot of faith in the trains to bring them back. What do you think? I think so as well. I think that the opposing factor can be that a team like DSM 
if they don't send someone in the breakaway, if they don't have a Carl Anderson in this kind of breakaway, which they should, in my opinion. True, yeah, they have well, to. Well, if they don't have someone up there, then they're going to be pacing in the peloton because they see with Gizbol, uh, well, there's an opportunity for us considering how the sprinters are gone now. And if they keep being gone, then teams like that will start picking up these stages and say, are we going to try and pace? Like a Matthews, for example, his team might see this as an opportunity because, well, the sprinters are not really uh, up to standards. But I'd be like, put someone in the breakaway. They've got riders in their team as well that fit there. And I agree that this stage is leading as well to a breakaway. It's also partially just how do we see if a break is a potential break stage? There's multiple factors. First of all, if it's uh, a completely flat stage and sprint teams are most likely to control, and then you have to look at how many of those teams have the riders to control it. We already said that the Koenig does not really have a complete sprint train here, so Philippe has to kick in the last five kilometers every time. And that's a problem. The last 1,300 meters. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's crazy. Tim Cleric has been godlike, though, when it comes to yeah. like keeping the peloton fairly close. And that's that's God's work for a team like that. Thomas again did that for, uh, for Ewan as well. But yeah, again, not there anymore. So I think we'll see uh, a break, a strong break, trying to do it here. And I wouldn't necessarily know who would uh, be worthy of controlling that. Because let's say that the Koenig says, oh, I was getting in the breakaway. Why not? Could, uh, do you think they can drop Cav on the first two climbs? There's a climb of 7.5Ks nah. at 3%, and then 4Ks at 4%. Nope. Benji, they're going to drill it. Matthews, uh, Bike Exchange, and Bahrain will drill it on those climbs. The intermediate sprint is at the top of a 4K, 3.7% climb. If Sagan doesn't pick up 15 or so points, then he's he's out of He's gone. Green is gone. Or do I, I don't really see Bike Exchange and, and Bahrain allowing a break to go because that, or they'll want those guys to be in it like yesterday. So it's going to be a really interesting start to this stage. 83Ks, the first two hours are going to be interesting and we'll define whether this will finish in a bunch sprint. But Benji and I both don't think a bunch sprint is guaranteed. The, the stage I'm interested to watch is stage 14 in particular. I, I feel like the Andorra stage might be... Uh, break. Yeah, break probably again and maybe not so much GC. Uh, but 14 is is really balanced medium mountain with two longer climbs that are steep, 4.3Ks at 8% with 90Ks done. And then the, the last climb is Col de Saint-Louis, which has got some steep sections, 4.6Ks, 7%, then a 17K descent finish. I'd love to see Wild Fun out in the break here, Benji. Uh, or do you think Bike Exchange, Bora, and Bahrain try to keep this tight, or Jumbo Visma just keep it tight for a reduced punch sprint? I think Carapaz attacks here. Really? I dare to say that Carapaz <laughs> attacks there, because he's not going to be able to Al make Philippe. big differences on the mountains, and I think he's going to try. Well, the problem with Philippe is that I dare to say he's most likely going to try and go in breakaways now, because he's so far in GC that he's allowed to go in breakaways, and you might as well do that than try and go from the peloton on which you have better punchers with you also trying to go for the stage. So I think that this will indeed have a good break. And I think that one of the candidates that I see winning at least one stage this week is the likes of a Magnus Colt Nielsen again. I think that He's looking he good. might even win on the Ross stage. Not even joking. He's won mountain stages before. And <laughs> oh. la, Mate, that last down. climb's hard. 6.6k 6 8%. Yeah, but if he's steep. a ruler and he's away by that point, then 
True. He's looking – stage seven, he came third, right? He looked really good on that stage. He's climbing at a really, really high level. A guitar I like for Andorra, um, okay. to be honest. I think um, he's too small. Not, not, nah, not like it's a bad thing, but just – If those two are in the break, if I'm EF, I'm very happy. Uh, that's yep. all I'll say. Uh, otherwise, why don't you pick, Benji, your – like least you just sort of gave one a rider who could win a stage in the next six stages that people wouldn't expect. I'll give two names: Buani and Case Bold. The sprint field's so like Cav's been outstanding, but no. he can't win. He might not win every stage. So yeah, Case Bold and Buani looks really good in particular. I agree on the on the Buhani case. I'm I'm a bit more doubtful about Case Bold, but you never know. It's very much possible. If I have to look at like riders that could still win a stage and have not been showing themselves too much, per se. I think that I've got two names that have been... I've got two names, I think. I think that an old performance yesterday was Frank Bonamour. He finished uh, fifth on the Tinian stage, performed really, really well. And I think that he's going to be in breaks again, and he's arguably the best rider on B&B hotels this Tour de France so far, which is something I wasn't expecting, personally, because his previous results weren't up to that standard. When it comes to another rider that could potentially take something home, it's not a super easy one to name another rider, but I think that Cataneo's probably going to get allowed to go in a breakaway again. I don't know which stage would fit him best, though. Vaughn 2. Vaughn 2? Yeah. It's possible. I, uh, yeah. It he's actually a good, he's a good really long fits. climber. Like but what climber. if it rains? Then it's, it's a gearate territory, you know? <laughs> I think Catanero, he seems to prefer the 20K climbs. You saw yeah. his pacing yesterday was outstanding. Speaking of Vontu, Benji, which stage is the most? So if Calvin makes it to Paris, he's winning green. I think that's like there's not many sprint. We mentioned on stage 10, the placement of the intermediate Calvin sprint. makes it to Paris. Yeah, I, I really – if he made it through these last three stages, I think he's – I mean, obviously three-week recovery, but – Yesterday was hard and the day... The winter <laughs> can't be worse anymore than the yeah. last two days. <laughs> so Vontu, there's a lot of flat beforehand and then stayed Van Doren stage is shallow gradients except for the last climb. I think he should be okay, to be honest. Um, yeah, and he probably will pick up. What about the Merck's record, Benji? I think it's almost more likely he... he I think he definitely equals it. Like Personally, I don't care about the Merck's record at all, but <laughs> uh, I want to see him beat it just for the sakes of having a new person beat, well, not a new person, but a current generation rider beat an old generation rider. I always enjoy seeing that. And um, that's why I want to have that happen personally. I don't think he cares too much about it or he pretends not to care about it at least. I don't know how that is behind the scenes. Apparently they don't talk about it at all in the team. So uh, that's a thing. I think that Astana just needs to pick it up. Astana needs to do more. I think that we might see another attempt by Mohoric in breakaways. Mm. I had a name in my head a second ago, but I forgot. I think Mikkel Valgren is going to perform well no, at a certain but, point. No, he won't. Uh, he will. He's coming. <laughs> he's coming, my man. <laughs> well, uh, he's, why, why Dauphiné, Dauphiné had an aura. I think stage, maybe stage in the break on that um, medium mountain stage perhaps with court. Um, I'll give you that one because he came sixth in Dauphiné on a stage like that. And um, Bora. <laughs> hey, why do you think he's got, he can't climb very, like that well? He can climb. <laughs> he showed it in Swiss. Was it Swiss? I don't okay. even know anymore. <laughs> I think the results of two of the Swiss and Criterium de Dauphiné are not looking as, as good as they once were. 
um, <laughs> that's true. after this year's tour uh, so far. But we, I don't think we gave our predictions for a winner of Stage 10. I'm going with Van Moor or Kung. Uh, who have you got? Oh, I think that I dare to say the same, but I was going to go Von Moore, but it's kind of boring if I go for a, yeah. an attacker as well. well. Who, so. from the, who from the sprint? Because I like from the Van, sprint, I'm going to say, like uh, fuck's sake, <laughs> that's literally <laughs> what I was going to say. I take the two Belgian favorites. Right. Nasser Buhani, there we go. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, Barney's <laughs> been climbing well. Okay, Vela Games, time for a self roast. My team called Twenty Teens Nostalgia. Manager is Eusebio Sutton, located in the United Kingdom. I have Roglic, Port, Woods, Van Aert, Kung, Court, Pache, Uran, and Egita. It's actually not as trash as I thought it was. Um, I, I did think what? Egita would have done a little bit better. I, I like it for the rest of the, the tour, except for uh, Roglic, obviously. Um, but yeah, not looking good. 15,000th out of 26,000. How's your team going? He's doing amazing, you know. Um, we're sitting at 8,800. So um, I'm pretty happy with it, middle of the pack. I'm doing relatively okay if we average that out with the Giro one. So that's all good. And I feel like all these riders are going to strike in week three, man. Come on. Yeah. We've uh, got... Uh, exactly. Like Primoz Roglic. Fuck. We've got breakaway, uh, guys. Yeah, Higita, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. Jesper. I haven't seen him at all. It's entire race. Aramburu, who will certainly still perform, I promise you. Stage 14, oh, Aramburu times. Helling, he's uh, been good in first week. I don't know what his three-week standards are going to be like. I guess we'll figure it out. Hope he goes in a breakaway at some point. But for that to happen, he might need Calderon to collapse, which I don't wish towards Calderon. Gosnefua, he's tried, but hasn't been up to standards. And Pogacar, well, uh, I think that he's relatively safe until something calamitous happens hopefully not towards Pogacar and then Van Aert who's gonna win a well who, who will lose from Buhani tomorrow yeah <laughs> the, the win the guy leading or person leading rather uh the Lantern Rusak and Podcast League is Aratrunt I don't know what that means in Danish but hopefully it's not anything offensive uh he's got Pogacar, Molema, Alaphilippe, Karapaz, Cavendish, Moric, Bissiger, Asgren, Van der Poel so pretty good team uh, except Van der Poel's obviously now abandoned. Will he Will he suffer for that? I mean, second place has also got Van der Poel. Cavendish seems to be the man you'd want in the team. But yeah, everyone's got Van der Poel. So I don't know, maybe someone who's in seventh, who's been biding their time with break hunters, is who's going to come through. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed this rest day recap podcast. We've kept it around half hour, and we'll see you with the Stage 10 recap tomorrow. Ciao.